Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. Thank you again for our time together. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise, and what a beautiful joy to get to be with you. Now, I want to remind you, every day we start with Psalms 91. It's our foundation during all of this quarantine and lockdown period to remind ourselves, this is the promise of a faithful God. Psalm 91, my refuge and my fortress. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, we come in Jesus' name today. We thank you for all of your goodness and for all of your mercy. Father, we bring to you your people today. They're your people, Father. They're the people who are called by your name. You have put your name upon your people. And Father, I ask in Jesus' name that in these days, let your glory be seen upon your people. Let their relatives, let their friends, let their family, let them see the hand of God upon their life. Let them see the hand of God upon their business, upon their career. Let them see prosperity flowing. Lord, the only time in the Word you've ever taught us that we could put you to the test is with the tithe and the seed. Lord, they've put you to the test. Now, Lord, let them see the reality of God. Father, there's a whole new generation of young people. They've never known need. They've grown up in abundance, and Father, we're so grateful for that. But in these days, let these young people learn the reality of God. Let them learn lessons of faith. Let them learn lessons of relying upon you that will stead them strong for the rest of their lives. That they will learn lessons of your reality and that they'll learn lessons of not trusting in their wealth, but trusting in the God who provides. Lessons, Lord, that will keep them strong and blessed and their families strong and blessed for the rest of their lives. We pray for the frontliners today, Lord. I thank you that your angels guard them in all their ways. You sent these angels as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Lord, let people in the hospitals recognize the difference between the sons and the daughters of God. 
Let them see your hand of protection. Let that thing not come near their lives. Let it not come near their homes. Let every COVID test come up negative in the name of Jesus. We thank you that as that thing gets near their life, it just dies. Lord, let the life of Jesus, that same life that raised Jesus from the dead, that same breath of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, just flow in the lives of your sons and daughters that that virus dies as it gets near them. I pray for the businessmen and the businesswomen from the smallest Saudi Saudi Lord, the smallest canteen and little food business starting up to all of our major business people. This is a time, Lord, for you to glorify yourself. Let the favor of God and the favor of man rest upon them. Let their sails explode. Let them see things happen that they don't even dream is possible. Give them new ideas and new creativity, Father, that will cause their businesses to flourish. And Father, my prayer for every family is that by your grace and by your mercy, every family will end this stronger than when they first began. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Well, we've got some wonderful things to share with you before we get into the Word today. First of all, service tonight. This will be our first Friday night service in almost five months. I'm so looking forward. I'm not going to preach tonight. I'll just warn you in advance, and those of you that tune in live, we're not going to preach tonight. We're just going to have a wonderful prayer meeting, just a little bit of singing, not much. We'll run the service a little shorter, about one hour. We don't worry about any curfews. We still need to, we, we need to try this one time to make sure that everybody's going to get home before the 10 o'clock curfew. So we're going to try this one night, and then we might go longer in the future. But tonight we're going to focus on prayer. Prayer for our nation, prayer for our families, prayer for individuals. Uh, we're going to, I don't know what to call it, a prayer gauntlet, a prayer tunnel, where we're going to have pastors on each side as you can walk through. Yeah, two meters on each side, but you walk through the middle, just stretching out their hands, praying for you. So that, that's how we'll end the service today, as everyone will walk through and be prayed for. We can't lay hands on you, but oh, we love to pray for you. We don't want to just pray for you where we can't see you looking at a television camera. We want to pray for you face to face. See, friends meet face to face. We don't just meet on Facebook. Facebook is false friendship. Face to face is real friendship. So we'll see you in the service tonight. And then Saturday morning, the uh, drive-in service at South Campus. Now, you know, we had some problems down there the last couple of weeks. You know, Mr. Rojas and Versailles got into a big conflict with Mel Matai's Goldenrod Company, and they were blocking the gates and all kinds of security guards and guns and everything. Uh, but that seems to be all settled now, and we've got everything set so that we can drive right in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So please, those of you at South Campus, you don't need to worry about any danger or anything. Everything is fine. You drive straight in like you always do. We'll have a whole bunch of guys in yellow shirts out there to welcome you at the gate so that you, you know that everything's all right because you'll see all of our guys in yellow shirts, all right? So please don't everybody come down to main campus. Let's keep using our drive-in service at South at 7.30 on Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, Sunday morning, 7.30, 10, 12.30, and 3, services in all four main campuses. Now, in addition to what we've been doing, here at main campus, we'll have it set so those of you who... Uh, want to sit in the car. Some of our seniors, some of the young people. Uh, now, if you're going to come and you sit in the car, that means you don't get out of the car, okay? Just like we at South Campus. Now, uh, if you're going to sit in the car, we'll have pastors out there. If you blink your lights, that flash your lights at everybody, put on your put on your blinkers, put on your flashers. A pastor or pastor will come by to pray for you. We'll have ushers out there to pass out communion to you. It's, it's, it's communion time. And, you know, we'll have an FM station. We'll tune it into probably 102. Somebody will tell you when you get here. But we'll do that in all of the services at South Campus on Saturday night and Sunday and at main campus on Saturday night and Sunday. So please feel free to just come and park and make sure that you tell people that you're just going to be staying in the car. We'll get you the communion. We'll get you taken care of. All right. We want to get into Romans chapter one today. Romans chapter one. Now I'm going back and forth between writing on it and just reading it to you. Some like it one way, some like it another. We'll still vary it up from time to time, but we're trying to figure out how we can do it all in writing, all right? So, but we're trying to figure out a better way to do it that'll serve you. So let's begin with Romans 1 today, verses 1 to 17. People say, who wrote the book of Romans? Well, it tells you, Paul. Paul wrote the book of Romans. But notice how Paul identifies himself. He says, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. So I always say this is Paul's self-identification. 
Now, it is important to know how a man of God identifies himself. He does not identify himself as a pastorpreneur, as a celebrity preacher, as a super apostle, as they did in Paul's day, but he identifies himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. He said, you want to know who I serve? I serve Christ. He said, I am called to be an apostle. He said, that's my office. Set apart for the gospel of God. So a servant is his attitude. Apostle is his office <laughs> and his focus set apart for the gospel of God. Paul said, I, I'm not in this world to, to you know, I, I'm set apart. I, I'm not in this world to be famous and I'm not in this world to be somebody. He said, I'm set apart for the gospel. So you would never find Paul mingling in business, okay? He, he, he saw himself as set apart. Paul would not be a part-time businessman, part-time preacher. Paul would not be a part-time movie star, part-time celebrity singer, part-time preacher. Paul said, I am set apart for the gospel. He said, I've been picked up and set apart for this purpose, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, forgive me, you can preach whole sermons on this, but this is how Paul identified himself. This is Paul's self-identification. And it's so important that a man of God understands his attitude, his office, and his focus, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. All right, so I want you to notice everything. The gospel, number one, is not new. The gospel is an ancient story. It's an ancient story. The gospel is not a new doctrine. The good news of salvation by faith is not a new doctrine. The doctrine of salvation by grace is not a new doctrine. It was promised beforehand through his holy prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, I know there are many churches today that say, don't read the Old Testament, only read uh, the New Testament. Some churches go so far to say, don't read the Gospels, only read the epistles of Paul. Well, forgive me. All of the Scriptures tell the same story. From Genesis to Revelation, it is the same story. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It is the same story. It is the same plan of salvation. When Paul preached from the Scriptures, it was always the Old Testament Scriptures. The New Testament, they didn't have yet. Paul wrote most of it. So notice, first of all, the Gospel is an ancient story, Secondly, the gospel is concerning his son. So number two, the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is not about the church. The gospel is about Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh, who was declared to be the son of God in power according to the Holy spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there's a mouthful. So looking at Jesus from his humanity, because he's fully God, he's fully God, and he's fully man. According to the flesh or his humanity, he is a descendant of David. Okay, he descends from David. According to his godly, godness, he is declared to be the Son of God in power 
according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. He said, you know what? God proved to everybody. God declared. God the Father declared Jesus as his son by his resurrection from the dead. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. All right, now, through whom? So Jesus is the source. Now, it takes a little bit more time to work our way through doctrinal Bible passages than it does through stories. So we'll take a little bit more time here. Through whom we have received, number one, grace, and number two, apostleship. So Jesus is the source of grace and callings to office. Okay? We don't receive our calling to an office of ministry through the church or through a preacher or even through a prophecy. This comes through Jesus. This is something Jesus does in your life. People tell me, Pastor Summer, how do I know that I'm called? You know. <laughs> Believe me, you know. If there's any question, you're probably not, okay? This is something that comes through Jesus. Jesus, the head of the church, speaks to you. Grace flows through Jesus. Offices of ministry flow through Jesus. Now notice, the purpose of an office of ministry is to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. All right? So the purpose of an office of ministry is bringing people to the obedience of faith. Not just bringing people to faith, but the obedience of faith. See, everybody, everybody's got this great revelation of salvation by grace and salvation by faith, but they forget that there's an obedience. Remember part of the Great Commission? Teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey. So obedience is part of the role of ministry. So please, you've you got to get a hold of that. The purpose. And the purpose of this obedience is for the sake of his name. Now, again, the purpose of obedience is for the sake of his name. So that God's name is glorified in the world. It brings great shame upon the name of God for somebody to stand up and declare, Jesus is Lord and he saved me, and then they get drunk and they have sex with three women that night. Oh, but I'm saved by grace. It brings great disrespect upon the name of God. He said, listen, the purpose of a pastor, the purpose of an apostle, the purpose of a prophet is to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. I like that including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, this is a great study. Remember I told you the other day that you need to study the word belong to God? There's another one of those verses. You and I get our sense of belonging. We belong to Jesus Christ. I like that. I, I'm not an orphan. I'm not abandoned. I'm not alone in this world. I belong to somebody. Now, again, some of you, you've grown up in great families all your life and you don't get this. But I will never forget growing up in a busted home, not even knowing my dad. Saw him the last time when I was like three years old. And I'll never forget going up, and I've told you the story about going up to old Mr. Thompson's. And my dad told me to go buy some clothes and just sign it on his bill because small town, you just sign things. And I, and I went to sign for it, and the man said, well, who are you? I said, my name is David Sumrall. And I said, my father is Charles Sumrall, and he told me to put it on his bill. And the man looked at me and said, I know Chuck Sumrall. 
He has a daughter. He has no son. Now you have to understand, from that place walking all the way back home and up that big hill was a long walk. And it was a really long walk for me that day. When my dad got home from work that night, he drove me back up. And I'll never forget how I felt as a young man because I never felt like I belonged to somebody. He took me into that little clothing store and said, get those things for my son, please. And he was very nice and very respectful. And then he said, Mr. Thompson, I want you to understand, this is my son. You will never know how I felt that day, that I belonged to somebody. Now, some of you young people that have grown up in busted homes, you know what I'm talking about. You need to understand, you belong to Jesus Christ. Just, you got to get a revelation of that. That takes all the insecurity out of your heart. He said to all those in Rome who are loved by God, so Christians, you are loved by God, and you are also called to be saints. Okay, we're all saints. So we're loved by God and we're called to be saints. Now, saints means like a person set apart for God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, that's, that's amazing. Paul said, let me tell you how I think about Christians that I've never met. I thank my God for them. He said, I'm not jealous of them because I didn't lead you to Christ. He said, I, I'm not envious because I wasn't the one who, who get brought out the message of salvation to you. He said, I thank my God through all prayers are prayed in Jesus' name. All prayers go through Jesus. He said, I thank my God through Jesus for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. He said, everybody talks about the faith of these people. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Now that's a whole sermon whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. So here's the prayer life of a leader. He said, I pray without ceasing as I mention you in all my prayers. He said, listen, I'm always praying for you, asking that somehow by God's will I may be able to at last succeed in coming to you. All right, so here is the specific request. Paul said, I didn't just, oh, bless them, Lord. He said, God, I want to go be with those people. I want to see those people. Do you want to know a common prayer that I pray these days in this lockdown? Lord, let us get back in the homes of the people. Let us visit your people. Father, visitation has been taken away from us, not just church services. Visitation has been taken away from us. We, we can't get into the homes of your people. So he said, I pray that now at last I may succeed in coming to you. He said, for I long to see you. All right, here's the, the prayer life of a leader. Here is the heart of a leader. He said, I long to see you. Christians were not a bother to Paul. Christians were not a bother to the Apostle Paul. I long, I long to see you. People did not bother Paul. Paul was not one of these guys that loves crowds and hates individuals. He said, I long to see you. He said that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He said, I, I want to be with you so that I can teach you, minister to you. He said, I, I want to impart something to you. He said, I, I don't, I'm not coming to you to receive from you. I'm, I'm coming to you because I want to impart to you. 
He's that as we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He said, listen, you're going to be a blessing to me also as you, as you minister to me. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. He said, now let me tell you why I want to come. In order that I may reap some spiritual harvest among you as among the rest of the Gentiles, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Now the harvest there is a harvest of souls. He's not talking about getting a harvest of money. He said, I'm looking forward to being there because I'm going to take the biggest offering in, in Rome's history. No, he, he wanted to see people saved. He wanted a harvest of souls among the people. Now, here is more of the heart of a leader. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. He said, this is my heart. This is my obligation. Paul said, I, I, I'm, I'm obligated to do this. He said, I, I have to do this. See, people say, Pastor Summerall, why do you preach so much? I have to. I'm obligated. I'm obligated to people. You know, you, you have to understand, I, I, I try to teach young pastors, if, you know, you think preaching is a burden, you think ministry is a burden, I don't know about how called you are. Because when God has really touched your heart with calling, you feel the obligation. I owe it to these people. Let me say that again. I owe it. An obligation is something that you owe. I owe it to these people. These people owe me nothing. I owe it to these people. He said, so, because I'm obligated, I owe it to these people, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul wasn't, oh, I'm bored preaching. He said, I'm eager to preach. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to preach, the gospel. <laughs> For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation. For who? To everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right, so this is, what is the gospel? It is the power of God for salvation. What does it require to receive? Well, faith. You must believe. For it is the righteous, for in it, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So in the gospel, if this is the gospel, Big round circle. Inside the gospel is the righteousness of God. As you preach the gospel, people see the righteousness of God. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our Old Testament passage today continues in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 19, continuing the story of King Jehoshaphat of Judah and Benjamin. All right. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned, safe, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Now, notice, he has just been defeated in battle because he joined the king of Israel and he was foolish. And he's rebuked for this. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Wow. So, bad friendship. He went and made uh, a marriage alliance with the king of Israel, who was a very wicked king. And God said, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Now, the average Christian would say, oh, yes, we're showing them the goodness of God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But you see, that's because they're not well taught. You have to be wise in friendships. Love those who hate the Lord. Because of this, the wrath of God has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroy the Asherahs out of the land and have set your heart to seek the Lord. So here is a good heart focus. However, bad friendship focus. So here's a man who got the wrath of God upon his life. God got angry at him because of his bad friendships, but his heart was still focused to seek God. So there's something good in him, okay? He got in trouble. He got messed up because of bad friendships and going in to help the wicked and loving those who hated God. Don't ever love people that hate God, okay? Now, I know that sounds very un-New Testament, but excuse me. No, it's not. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people. Okay, I like that. He went out among the people. He didn't just, okay, I've got myself in trouble, so I'm going to hide here in shame. He went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and he brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. And I put a wow in my Bible next to that. Say, why do you put a wow there, Pastor? You know what? Because he, he could have just been bitter toward God. He could have just said, you know, God, I screwed up and you were just, you were over the top, God. I mean, you just didn't understand God. I just wanted to show people your love, God. I just wanted people to show them your goodness, God. But you know what? He, he, took, his, he took his discipline. Those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He, he took his discipline. And he again begins to bring people back to the Lord. Now you're going to see this was a lifetime's thing and I'm not really all that sure he did, okay? But he, he tried. He appointed judges in the land and in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, consider what you do. For you judge not for man, but for God. He is with you in giving judgment. All right, here's a good leadership principle. When you are making decisions about who's right and who's wrong, uh, you better judge for God. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, fear the Lord. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality 
or taking bribes. Okay, so he's, he's learning that um, God does not show favoritism or partiality. God just doesn't show it. Now, you have to remember that with friends. You don't just believe a friend because this friend said something bad about somebody else. There's no injustice with the Lord. Verse 8. Moreover, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites and priests and the heads of families of Israel to give judgment for the Lord and to decide disputed cases. They had their seat in Jerusalem. That way he could watch over these guys. And he charged them. Now, there's another good principle. Good leadership. Principle. Supervision. He could supervise these guys. And he charged them. Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. Three requirements of leadership. You do whatever you do in the fear of the Lord, you do it in faithfulness, and you do it with all of your heart. Whenever a case comes to you from your brothers who live in their cities concerning bloodshed, law, or commandments, statutes, or rules, then you shall warn them that they will not incur guilt before the Lord, and wrath may not come upon you and your brothers. Thus you shall do, and you will not incur guilt. And behold, Amariah the chief priest will be over you in matters of the Lord, Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the governor of the house of Judah, in all the king's matters, and the Levites will serve as officers. Now, notice... Same people, two levels of supervision. Now, I know everybody in the world says nothing can have two heads unless it's a freak. But here, these, these judges had two leaders over them. One in the matters of the Lord and one in the king's matters. So instead of appointing two different justices, he said, there's going to be one justice but you're going to have two supervisors. And two supervisors does not make a freak. One of you, one of them supervises you when it comes to the king's matters, and one of them supervises you when it comes to the matters of the Lord. Now, here is one of the greatest principles that you need to learn about leadership. Number one, deal courageously, and may the Lord be with the upright. Everything you have to do, you must deal with courage. You can never allow fear to affect a decision. You can never allow fear to cause partiality. See, sometimes we, you don't take a bribe because of, you don't, you don't deal injustice because of a bribe. You don't deal injustice because of a relationship. But you do deal injustice because of fear. So he said, deal courageously. And may the Lord be with the upright. Fascinating. Chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Menunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. All right, so we got a battle about to start. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom. Now notice against you, not against the whole nation, but against you. See, leaders always get the brunt of the pressure. From beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Engedi. Now Jehoshaphat was afraid, okay, and set his face to seek the Lord. 
Now, now here's something you're going to get a hold of, have to get a hold of. Every leader faces fear. How do you face fear? Face it seeking God. He set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now that's how you face fear. You don't keep facing the problem. You set your face to seek God. Now you need to just park on that verse for a while. Every leader, every father, every mother, every connect group leader, every pastor, every government leader, every military man faces fear. So either you keep staring at the problem and getting more afraid, or you turn away from the problem and you set your face to seek the Lord. Ah, that is a solution to fear. And all Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. I like that. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations, and in your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to understand, no one is able to withstand you. Here's a statement of faith. Tremendous declaration. Faith declaration. Did not our God drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friends? So faith declarations review history. Ah, some of you need to sit down and speak to God all the things that he's already done for you. And they have lived in it and have built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, now that he quotes King Solomon. This is Solomon's prayer. If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and we stand before this house before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, you will hear and save. There's faith again. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. So hey, this is not something we are reaping. He said, we, we didn't touch those people. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession. Now, this is one of those things that you have to understand. The Bible says that when you return evil for good, evil will never depart your house. So he said, we were good to them in the past as a nation. And now look, they're trying to drive us out of what you gave us. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment upon them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. That is what you do when you don't know what to do. When you're afraid, seek God and call a fast. When you don't know what to do, my eyes are on you. Oh, I love that. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Did you get a hold of that? Oh, somebody write me a song about that. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That, that sounds like a song there someplace. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. I like that. With their little ones, their wives, and their children. 
And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Methaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great Lord, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Ah, one of the great verses in the Bible. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Wow. Some of you are facing some battles today. It's not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. He says, tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent at Ziz, and you will find them at the, val at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. All right, now that's interesting. God says, go attack. And God says, where they are. He said, you don't need to worry about where they are. Let me tell you where they are. Now go attack. He said, but you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Jerusalem and Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. And the Lord will be with you. So we have a promise of the presence. But I want you to notice something else. God didn't say, stay here in Jerusalem and I'll just wipe them out. This is one of these miracles with a condition. He said, you have to go out to fight. In other words, you have to roll away the stone. I'll raise Lazarus from the dead, but you've got to roll away the stone. He said, I'll defeat these people, but you have to go out to fight. You have to get dressed for battle, and you have to inconvenience yourself. God said, I'm not going to do everything for you. You've got to go out to fight. So, so please, some of you, you're going to have to realize, God's going to give you a great miracle, but you've got to do something too. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, the Kohathites, and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I like loud voices. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and live. So he said, listen, number one, believe God. And number two, believe God's prophets. Now, brothers and sisters, notice God's prophets. Believe his prophets. Now, you know, sometimes if you're a man of God, you look at this and you go, I don't want to talk to people about stuff like that. People think I'm just trying to get attention to myself. But you know what? You need to believe in the leaders that God has put in your life. I didn't say that we're perfect people. Believe in God and believe in the prophets. Believe in the leaders that God has placed in your life. And you will, you will succeed. You need to get a hold of that. 
And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him. So sing and praise him in holy attire. They dressed up to go to battle (laughs) as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, can you imagine a group of singers leading a great army and the singers are dressed beautifully in holy attire. And they're singing, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. They must, all the spies that came out, all the ones that came out to to see and report back to, hey, they're coming down this way. Can you imagine the story they went back with? These guys are singing. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord stood an ambush against Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah so that they were routed. Now, when they began to sing, not when they ended, when they began. Some of you, you're in trouble right now. You're walking into a battle. You need to begin to sing. (laughs) And as you begin to sing, God's going to begin to work. I like that. Begin to sing, God begins to work. I like that. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. Wow, thanks for the help, guys. You kill each other. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None have escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. So they went to battle, and they came home, and they brought the wealth. And they were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came into Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of God. I like that. First stop, God's house. They didn't run home and show their wives, look at all the money we got. Look at all the plunder we got. First stop after victory was God's house. Please forgive me, but some of you need to get into that. God gives you a new job. God gives you a new contract. God blesses you with something that you can't even figure out how you got so blessed. First stop should not be bed. First stop should not be a big meal rejoicing with the family. First stop should be God's house to come and give thanks. And now, folks, I've lived my life like this. And I'm teaching you just to live like I've always believed in living. If God does something great for my life, My first stop is God's house. And I come to say, thank you, Father. Please. You know, one of our fishermen just had the biggest catch of fish in his life. His first stop should not be a big dinner with the family. His first stop should be God's house to give thanks. Big new contract, stop by God's house. We've got Fortress 91 going. We'll have communion. We'll sing with you. But your first stop should be to come here And just say, I'm not here asking God for anything. I'm here to give thanks. First stop, God's house. 
And fear came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. I like that. When Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah, he was 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. He walked in the way of Asa, his father, and did not turn aside for it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. So we have a good king. The high places, however, were not taken away. The people had not yet set their hearts upon the God of their fathers. Now here's something that you've got to get a hold of. With all the laws that he made, with all of the things he did, laws do not change hearts. The people, every person has to make a decision to follow God. Parents, you can bring your kids to church every week, but one day they have to make a decision to serve God. You, you can make all of your workers at your company come to the Bible study, but they have to make a decision to serve God. And this was a problem with the people of Israel. They'd had a good king that had taught them the Bible. They'd had a good king that had given out justice. They had a good king that God used to bring them victory. But they never, they never set their hearts upon the God of their fathers. Big change. Now the rest of the books, of, rest of the Acts of Jehoshaphat from first to last are written in the Chronicles of Jehu, the son of Hanini, who is recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted wickedly. Nainakoe, bad friends again. It's like, never learned. Here is a good man who loved God and sought God and did what was right, but he kept wanting, he kept choosing bad friends. He joined him in building ships to go to Tarshish, and they built the ships in Ezion-Geber. Then Eliezer, the son of Duvadahu of Marasha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have joined with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you made. And all the ships were wrecked and could not go to Tarshish. Jehoshaphat slept with his father and was buried in the fa with his fathers in the city of David. Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place, and he had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariah, Michael, and Shephathiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Their father gave them great gifts of gold and silver and valuable possessions, together with the fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was his first son. Now notice, he gave, not God, he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was his firstborn. Now, we'll get into why of all of that tomorrow. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.